Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things, all things, without exception, cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and apparently beyond. I'm Ned Bolting. I'm Laura Laker. And I'm Adam Tranter. And uh, this is a slightly unusual episode because this time we have a special and slightly unexpected guest for you and an extended interview with that guest. That's all coming up. But before we get on to introduce our special guest, what's everyone been up to? And by the way, this this marks a quite a momentous occasion, right? This is the first time I've ever met Laura, <laughs> which is nuts because we are well over one year old as a podcast. But we've yeah. never actually met Laura. I know. But we're in a room. I know. In three dimensions. I know. I was very excited when I came in. I had my outdoor voice on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten how to like talk to people. Like I've forgotten how to do small talk. I've forgotten. You tried how to make to us a cup of coffee. People. You got through you completely. Yeah, didn't I was yeah. like, okay, what, what do I do here? Um, but it turns out I, I, I made it work. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, it is actually bonkers, isn't it, that we've got so used to recording remotely, and now it feels. Feels better to be honest, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's better. None of that tinny squinting both of you on the screen and my dreadful sound quality. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, everyone. Adam in his little broom cupboard. It's, yeah, <laughs> I'm pleased to be out my spare room. We're in um, we're near Blackfriars, aren't we? So we can sort of see out yeah. Cycle Super Highway. I had a little and a coffee this morning. Watch people go past. It was Your lovely. Office where we're recording is yeah, it's my it's on my commute. Yeah, in and out of town. Cycle Super Super Cycle. What's it called? Six something. Six. Cycle way six. six. Now they call is it. Is it six? Yeah. Highway one as well. Oh yeah, mm. is it or does it? I don't know. It's anyway. Crosses, I, I, to the yeah. side, it's, yeah, yeah, we're kind of near the crossroads of the two, aren't we? Yeah, mm. and mm. yeah, yeah. It's very I've nice. um, I've been uh, what have I been doing? I've been riding my bike a little bit. That's been nice. I've been walking. Uh, it's National Walking Month, um, so I've been trying to walk everywhere. I've been listening to Peter Walker's uh, audio book, um, 
the Miracle Pill. Has he done an audio book? Yeah, well, it's, he's recorded it. Yeah, it's, it's, his, his book is called The Miracle Pill, and I've yeah. got the audio because I, I, I'm too lazy to read. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and it made me, he is an influencer. I messaged him the other day. He's a real-life influencer now because I was reading his book and listening to what he's saying. I went and bought myself a Fitbit um, just oh, because I, um, wearing it? I, I sit down a lot and forget to stand up and uh, so I'm into the kind of boring because I've stopped doing actual yeah, exercise boring, yeah but I do gardening now I've got an allotment so <laughs> right. I like to know I can't just do the flowers I have to know if I burn calories to do the flowers yeah there is uh, yeah I've it's actually... a quantified self it's oh, part dear. of uh, part of my generation I'm afraid okay yeah <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it's about your basal metabolic rate isn't it I've, di- I've got a degree in nutrition and we learned about this uh, this thing it's like your basal metabolic rate is you lying down and then everything above that like adds a certain mm. amount of calories per hour. And uh, yeah, gardening's like better than sitting down. There we go. Your gardening's better than sitting down. You heard it here first. Three years degree. That's gardening my, uh, yeah. better than That's sitting the, down. Yeah, thinking yeah. back in the depths of time to my degree. Mm. None of this is um, anything on what Ned's got on us. He's been... Uh, been out cycling with famous people well not, famous cy- person. not cycling i've been ah. i've been sitting around with a famous person yeah ah, okay so, so this is well this brings us on to our special guest doesn't it and i was thrilled to discover and i can't remember what bit of google interneting um brought me to this point but i quite literally in a digital sense stumbled across on youtube alexi sales um uh, and if you don't know who he is, I'll come to explain who he is in a second. Alexi Sales lockdown bike rides, in which Alexi Sale uh, rides really at quite a sedate pace around bits of mostly central London for now, and um, talks about stuff that passes through his head, whether they are triggered memories or little observations or quite sweary stuff occasionally. It's great fun. It's <laughs> hilarious. And it's everything that I like about just bimbling around London personified, and he's put it up there. So I really recommend... You look at them. If you don't know who Alexi Sale is, you haven't been concentrating for the last 30 or 40 years. Alexi Sale was a big figure in my childhood because when I was um, a, a kind of early teens or even late sort of 11, 12, around about that age, there was a, there was a big alternative comedy series on BBC Two, I think, called The Young Ones. And I think it, for some reason, I think it was on Monday nights. I don't know why I think that. Um, which most of you, I'm sure, will know. Um, Alexi Sale, and it was this, kind of anarchic alternative comedy starring Rick Mail and Ad- Edmondson and Nigel Planer and people. A bunch of students living in a house. And Alexi Sale played their terrifying landlord <laughs> called Jersey Bukowski, I think. And he used to appear once in every episode wearing a little pork pie hat and an ill-fitting tight suit. And he used to just rant insanely about stuff and then disappear again in a really rather odd <laughs> accent. And occasionally turn to the camera and go, I may not really be Russian. <laughs> and stuff like that. Anyway, I've always been a massive admirer of Alexi Sale, who has gone on to do all sorts of wonderful stuff, including an appearance, I gather, in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which passed me by. Um, but he's done a bunch of other stuff, all of which is interesting. He's a fascinating human being. And um, with your help, Laura, I managed to contact him, uh, not really expecting a response, got an instant reply. Yeah. And he wanted to talk to me about bicycles and what they mean to him. And uh, this is what you said. Alexis Self. Uh, Hi, Ned. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. We're sitting in a lovely, well, partially shaded, freezing yeah. cold cafe. Yeah. Uh, around the corner from your house in central yeah. London. And I'm, I was telling you that I've just recently discovered your, um, your lockdown bike rides. Yeah. Yeah. Which blew me away. 
Thank they, you. They blow me away because I think they're absolutely brilliant. But my first question before we talk about them, which I'll yeah. go to in great depth. My first question is, what's your history with the bicycle? Okay, yeah. I Right back. So, I yeah, it goes right back, really. I... Um, I didn't. My parents were. My mother was a was very neurotic warrior, so she didn't want me to really get a bike. But I think I insisted on uh, getting one when I was, I don't know, eight or nine, something like that. But then my first bike that I remember, I got a Rally Keep, which was oh. uh, crack. It's a uh, Campagnolo, a uh, Campagnolo. Grand Sport or something. It was Campag anyway. Yeah, yeah. Five-speed Campag, drop handlebars, ebullion coloured frame, and I. So I rode that to school every day from when Brilliant. I was about twelve, thirty. And then one of the things I did. You remember when John? Well, you're too young, but John Lennon had a Rolls Royce that he painted in psychedelic colours. Yeah, yeah. So I did the same with my Rally Keep. <laughs> <laughs> I went, but because I've always done everything kind of half-assed, really. So I just I would I went to like a a kind of a, they seem to have like a, an out-of-date paint shop. You know, like you get day-old bread. Yeah. There seemed to be a paint shop that sold like out-of-date out paints. Paint. Most of it emulsion, and so I just bought these paints at random. Painted me bike with swirly colours. <laughs> then the first time it rained, they all washed off. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 me really but yeah i rode that bike for years to school and that and then i think i probably stopped for a few years when i was i, I can't remember whether i had the bike when i went so when i went to art school in london chelsea yep. i think yeah i had a i had a, I, I, somebody gave it me i think it was drop handlebars no gears um, what do you mean a fixie? A fixie, single speed, yeah. Single speed, single speed. And then I rode that for years, really. And then I was like, I had a lot of like part-time jobs, like uh, washing dishes and working in the civil service. And I remember riding it, riding it to to the civil service. Now I think when I started to get a bit of money, I there was a we lived in Fulham then, and and over Putney Bridge there was a. And a shop called Holdsworths. Yeah. Who made bikes. Yeah. And uh, I bought I bought a string of Holdsworths. And they had a kind of... I've got a, a Holdsworths. Oh, have you got a Holdsworths? I've got a Holdsworths, wow. yeah. Yeah, an Is original one. Yeah, it's orange. Yeah. 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 I rode it into a moat and broke my shoulder at the, on the final day Ouch. of the last year's Tour de France. Ouch. So someone fished it out of the moat for me and it did it up again. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no well, it's, you know, these They are closed down now for what, quite a long yeah. time ago, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I went past a few weeks ago and saw they'd gone. Um... And they had a diffusion line called Peak Tame, I think. Peak You're right, yeah. I don't know, Dave Tame. And I had I had a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you know, Reynolds 531, all that stuff. Yeah, so I had Stringer Holdsworth with Campag. And then when I moved to central London, I became a... And then I had a Dave... Uh, there was a wheel builder in Liverpool called Pete Matthews. Right, right. And my tour manager was friendly with him. So I think I had a... I don't know what happened to any of these bikes. I suppose they were all Nick, but I had a Pete Matthews, which was Reynolds, I guess, Reynolds 51 or 753. And then when I moved to central London, I became a, a condo user and I've had, yeah, oh, I don't know how many condos I've had now. Yeah. So I've stuck with Campag for years and years, but I've sort I mean, the last handmade bike I got was in the mid to late, two, early two, you know, 2005 or something. 
And that was the first Shimano, really. So uh, that's like what you've just detailed there in a couple of minutes is a, is a lifelong relationship with... I mean, at no point have you stepped away from the bike. It's always been... It's always oh, been yeah, kind more of or there. less. It's yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the... T- I mean, I also had like a... A Grandini, which was like a rare kind of bike made in Southeast London, and I've had a lot. I've always had like um, like a high end bike and a hack as well. Like so, I've often had a, like at the moment, I've got a Condor, a Kona, Korean made Kona, which I've had for like ten years, and it's a shade of lilac that even the most adult crack addict won't nick it. <laughs> That's the one you've ridden. Yeah, earlier, yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. And it's one I ride on the on the bike on the rides. Bike, on the, yeah. And it's 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 unstealable because it's it, it's a, such a horrible shade of kind of purpley lilac. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you've got to have in London. You have to have a bike like that, don't you? Yeah, I you think do. So, really, well, not just yeah. London, anywhere really, but yeah. Yeah, for day to day, yeah. So that's yeah. what I ride. For I do that with my, my bike, Alexi. Every time a bit fails and I have to get a new part, I deliberately. Mark, who's got this funny little shop down the end of my road in southeast London, he's got this workshop at the back, just full of wrecked bikes, hundreds of them, and he'll ferret around in there to find a little replacement right. part for nothing, right. and I'll ask him deliberately to find the ugliest part he yeah. can and stick it on. It's you know what you got to do, really. Yeah, you know, but it's fine. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So you were saying, yeah, this is the history of a bike user, yeah, really. Yeah, it, it is. But but the act of using a bike <laughs> has changed decade by decade, hasn't it? It's, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's dwindled almost to nothing. I yeah. would imagine in the eighties when yeah. you when you were down here. Yeah. When you moved here, and then it's kind of come back, but in a very different guise. I would yeah. imagine. Have you have you got a sense of how that's changed? Absolutely, and one of the reasons that I used to cycle in a way was because I'm a, I don't know if I'm a contrarian or just a differentarian, that I have to be, that I, I took tremendous pride in, in you know, doing what nobody else was doing, really. Yeah. And I remember once cycling in to do Radio One, an interview with Simon Mayo for Radio <laughs> One, and riding in into me, you know, into broadcasting house on me bike. And Simon Mayo said, you know, this is the first time that somebody's ever come to an interview with Radio <laughs> 1, uh, you know, riding a bike. Now here's Culture Club. You know. And, uh, but, um, you know, it was like a, re- it was, you were truly exceptional. Yeah. And the other thing I used to, I bought, um, from Harrods, I bought a rally, one of the, a green rally, whatever, you know, roadster, the classic roadster. Yeah. With, yeah. with the in- enclosed um, chain case. And uh, I used to, I did a lot of Granada television in the 80s. Granada were very good at spotting talent. And they would get you to make a pilot. And then they would never show it because they'd panic. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the BBC were like, they, they got to the game later, but they were braver ultimately. But So I did a lot of go. I, I would get the train up to Manchester with the bike in the guards van and then cycle from... Manchester um, Piccadilly to Granada Television on me, on me rally. You know, in a fo- wearing a Prince of Wales check suit. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> why, and, uh, why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten why I was talking about that. So yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it was obviously you were unique. If you rode, rode a bike, it was very rare, really. Um, and then yeah, it started. Obviously, started to change. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And more and more people um you know and then you got that whole kind of mammal thing i mean i think you know people mammal is a you know, middle-aged man in like i was saying my 
a puffin, which is a pathetic, unfat fucker in nappies. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear, you know, they're, you're them kind of them big wadges of foam, particularly if yeah. you weigh as much as I do. Yeah. You have to have like a, a kind of a dormio mattress down your trousers, really, to yeah. protect your ass from the razor thin do, do, do saddle you, that you insist on riding on. So do you, from time to time, do you still don the lycra? Do you, I do haven't you, uh, for do, a while, really. No. I haven't. Um, I had a phase. I, I, I stopped riding for five years because I had, um, I, I got this um, autoimmune condition called sarcoidosis. And in 2015, I collapsed basically and lost my balance and kind of lost my eyesight and stuff like that briefly. And and I then stopped riding for five years until this lockdown, really. Yeah. Um, I kind of I was at that point I was getting kind of sick of. I, I mean, London was getting so busy that bike riding was never was stopped being fun, really. And also, well, I found mean, London streets just in general, yeah, right, just with stuff. Yeah, and going yeah. to meet. There was also with with the removal of parking meters. I'm going to take, you know, having argued for coronavirus, I'm also going to argue for the park, parking meter. The parking meter always gave you a great place to chain your bike. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah, because it was like a, a tube and then a, yeah. a lump at the top. Yeah, that's so So they true. couldn't lift it. So, um, yeah. Uh, but they've all gone. So, so it was, if I'd meet somebody in Soho, I'd spend half the time looking for somewhere to chain the bike up, really. Yeah. So I was, and I, was, I felt a bit like I was getting to places too quick. <laughs> in a way, I know that's a mad thing to say, but I, I thought I was, you're there, you know, Zoom, you just, yeah. without really enjoying the environment because you were fighting with cars and vans and buses, and yeah. the air was toxic, and um, uh, I just it was it was you know, and I, I just felt and so actually because I you know when I turned sixty I got a bus pass, yeah. and I, I started getting the bus, and for, for a few years I was intoxicated with riding the bus. Really. They're great. They're yeah. great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, it was amazing. So um, yeah, it's only during lockdown that I suddenly, because the roads were empty again, I suddenly thought, why not get the bike out, you know? And again, that's I kind of fell in love with cycling again, really. But the, the riding... See, but the riding you document in these little clips, and these little... What should, what should we call them? Vignettes? What should uh, we call them? Vignettes? I don't Do you know what you could... Uh, Movies, call, feature films, yeah, no, I don't know, know. yeah, things. items. Um, is the precise opposite of what you just said. You know, you're not getting anywhere. You're, yeah. I think, it's a little bit akin to um, that whole genre of psychogeography. You know, the flaneur, in, yeah, the flaneur, yeah, you're flaneuring, yeah, you're flanning, cyclo flaneur. You're a cyclo flaneur, aren't you? Indeed, yeah. Um, psychogeography. So, uh, psych psychogeography. That's yeah. it. And that's what you're doing. So, for those of you who haven't seen them, I thoroughly recommend that you do. But you, well, describe them. I mean, what are you doing here with these? Well, films? I just, uh, I basically set out on a ride, really. Sometimes start at my house, sometimes start in, um, you know, a, a location like uh, Hampstead Heath. And I just ride around for a bit talking. And there's a, so what, there's a GoPro fixed outward so you can see my journey. Yeah. And then there's another GoPro fixed up my face so you can see my face and that's it like in a little box and i just talk about you know what i see really uh and they they run about what we do is we do two really we do one on the outbound and one on the inbound yeah and uh we just um i just talk really about what i'm passing or thing you know things that it, it you know things that it, ideas that have been 
are sparked off by the things that I see. Uh, and uh, I'm also f my, the, the, the young man who who does my part, you know, helps me with these technical things. He, he usually follows me on a higher bike and films the odd static shot, really. Uh, that's all it is. It's very simple, you it, know. And it's something I actually like myself watching. I turn my own voice off because, you know, I've got that in my head anyway. And I watch... I like watching the footage. It's hypnotic, I think. So you hit the nail on the head. So you, you're not on the... You don't do... You're quite rightly, I think, you're absent from the world of Twitter. Oh, right? yeah, you're not no, involved. Yeah, well, no, you, you, you're no. a sensible human, right? But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, after I was delighted to have found it, I pushed it on Twitter the other day and, and um, lots of people, I think, were watching it for the first time and lots of lovely feedback. But the word that came across more and more often than any other was hypnotic. People just yeah. like the... It's like I don't know why... Yeah. I'm surprised nobody else has done it. I mean, Talal, the boy who does my, you know, helps me. He said there's a lot of kind of fast, there's a lot of people like burning up Box Hill or something yeah. on the internet, but there's nobody else doing this just slow, meandering, meand you know, bike yeah. rides really. And it is just, even though I've been on the ride myself, I like, to, you know, it's just fascinating somehow to that slightly wide angle lens to drift past all these people really. It's there's something quite magical about the speed of a, yeah. Uh, so, so you, with with respect, you're not racing. It's a relatively, it's a sedate tempo. Let's it put it is, like that. It is, yeah. That's what it seems to be. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that is that speed. It strikes me is falls between walking pace, which is what it is, and yeah. and, and you, your other interest, I think, is cars, isn't it? You're like yeah. driving cars probably yeah. quite fast from time to time because that's I the have point. I have driven a car quite fast. But this meandering on a bike occupies this quite special space in between those two extremes, yeah. isn't it? Where Maybe it's the speed of thought or the speed of articulation or something, but it seems to f it seems to click into some sort of um, step with yeah. with the way we think. Yeah, or the way we breathe, or the or way something. we breathe, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. And actually, yeah. all you're doing, it strikes me, is in these films, is um, you flick to switch and you manage to kind of this is the skill that you have, not many people have, but you've actually all you're doing is giving voice to the thoughts that you would otherwise be having <laughs> yes. you're just saying stuff out loud <laughs> yeah 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 and with I think, no preparation and that's no, the common yeah. experience we all have about yeah. riding bikes because we those thoughts this is one of the reasons why we like it i think are allowed to just ferment and brew yeah over the course yeah. of a bike ride yeah. anyway yeah. yes it's, it's true yeah there's no there's planning no you know it's just it's whatever comes out really yeah there's little trigger points of memory that as well yeah. when you pass a place and you remember having been there yeah and, and what yeah. It, yeah 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 there's um one or two things that we touch on quite often in the podcast that you also have a take on. One of which is uh, um, uh, the helmet issue, the great, hel the great helmet yeah, debate. the great helmet debate. of Cycling's great helmet debate. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, well, I, I mean, my feeling is, and, you know, obviously your colleague Chris Boardman has a, has a position on this, that um, the, for me, cycling needs to be spontaneous and, and you know, that... that Wearing a helmet makes you kind of, oh, just gets in the way of that a bit, really. Putting on clobber. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, kind of hampers that, I think. And, you know, obviously, you know, in countries where cycling is normal, Denmark, Holland, nobody wears a helmet. And I, I just want to, I, I uh, you know, I just can't. I mean, if I, if I go out on my... On my on my racing bike, then yeah, I will yeah. wear the helmet and yeah, 
all the other stuff. But uh, you know, for riding around, I, you know, it, it seems pretty pointless, really. Uh, I was hit by a taxi a few years ago, and the, you know, the police, the police turned up. There's a police woman there, you know. And she said, you know, why aren't you wearing a helmet? I said, well, that's, first of all, that's victim blaming. But also, you know, statistically, um, it's, uh, you know, it was like pick on the man who's been hit by the fucking bastard. Kevin the bastard in the fucking taxi. Bastard that he was. Um, but also, uh, you know, it's... And also, there is some research, I think, that, you know, the drivers are more careless with. I don't know whether it's true or yeah, not. Yeah, I've always been slightly sceptical about that. But, yeah, um, it's probably it's nonsense, pro- yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I couldn't agree more. This, you know, it's, don't, it's not a question of don't wear a helmet. It's, it's, it's make your own... Yeah, choose. Of, just yeah. choose. Yeah. Just choose. Yeah, you either can right. or you can't. I don't blame yeah. anybody for wearing a helmet, but yeah. I, uh, I choose not to. If I get brain damage, then... That's, well, I've got brain damage, so... You know, <laughs> you've done that. I'm having, yeah, I've got that from me, my <laughs> autoimmune condition. So, yeah. uh, uh, I'm, yeah, yeah, I've already been there, done that. <laughs> the other thing is, I just thought it was hilarious was you do occasionally document and then publish your own, uh, <laughs> yourself committing low level crimes, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And this is the great thing that you actually, it didn't occur to you. <laughs> Until <laughs> you've got this project up and running, that on the yeah. on the odd occasions where you're seen to be perhaps slipping through, well, not perhaps slipping yeah, through I'm a red light, yeah. contravening the highway code. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I never it only cared to me after I'd done about five, <laughs> and people reading the comments and people going, "At six twenty-three, doesn't he go through a red light?" You know, or you know, you moan about drivers, which I don't really, but I mean. Um, yeah, and you're going. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a complicated issue. I think, I think if you're a cyclist, then don't be a dick, really, because you're making, you're adding to the kind of, you know, the unhappiness. Of it. So don't hurtle through red lights, yeah, swerving round people and all that stuff. Which yeah, you, you know, you do see, yeah, riders doing, uh, you know, because you don't want to. Yeah, it makes people dislike cyclists, and it also it just adds to some total misery in the world. But on the other hand, if you're coming up to a red light and you know there's nobody around, you know my inclination is to just slide through it. Really, you know, I don't because um, why? Why wouldn't you really? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. but you know, obviously, if you're crossing the A1, then don't. You know, it's probably not a good idea to. Hurtle through. Uh, it's you know I mean but cycle I mean again cycling it's I mean that's just, it's sort of I mean and again cycling occupies that interland between being a vehicle and being a, a you know a pedestrian. Yeah. Obviously pedestrians don't necessarily in Britain as opposed to say Singapore. You know jaywalking isn't considered a crime. You know so um, uh, you know it's and I think the same as bicycle. I think it just needs. It just needs a bit of kind of self-control. But I, I certainly think, you know, don't be a dick on a bike, but on the <laughs> other hand, you know. <laughs> that should be a government campaign. Yeah, it? but it is also, <laughs> which I talk about, it is also, people don't realise what an effort it is, especially if you weigh as much as I do. But when you stop, getting back up to speed is, yeah. is hard work, yeah. it, you know. Yeah, 
it's to rebuild that momentum. I mean, one of the things I've noticed about actually cycling is that my bike handling, and I don't know whether that's the brain injury, Barley, or my bike handling isn't that good. So I'd like to be able to, even if I'm going like very, very slow, I'd like to, I was out last night and I was trying to practice staying upright, you know, um, uh, you know, while slowing down at a lighter, something I need to work on more, really. I don't know whether that's got worse, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, you see, I, I think I think you're really... It's quite correct to pinpoint that lived experience of a cyclist who has to f- apply the brakes and slow down and then pull away from the lights. I mean, I quite regularly cycle from Lewisham, where I live, over to... Ealing, where we sometimes commentate from, for Ealing Studios, it's quite a ride. Yeah, and I lose track of the number of times I have to stop and then start again. Yeah, um, and uh, and unless you've had experience of that, so if you're in a vehicle passing, a motorised vehicle passing, you've got no idea what that cyclist is actually experiencing. No. And it's the same with the whole close passing thing, isn't it? Yeah, it may feel like nothing to you in the car, yeah. protected uh, in the spot. Yeah, blimey. Right, you might have left a foot, but a foot isn't much when no, you're kind it's, of... it's scary, really, yeah. yeah. Which kind of leads me on to the, the whole broader discussion of how did we end up now in 2020, 2021 or whatever, where we've kind of entered unknowingly, we've slipped into this culture war between, in so many ways, in so many areas of life, but one of the ways it finds its expression is, it seems to me, on our roads between cyclists yeah, and motorists and of course you know forgetting the fact that most people are both yeah well yeah yeah you're it's a really good case in point aren't you uh, yeah i've got gigantic car you've got a gigantic <laughs> car it's <laughs> <enormous>. <laughs> and uh it's i think my sense is, it's funny because i'm thinking about getting like quite small electric car and i don't know how how much my sense of self is tied up with them i've always been a man with a big car have you yeah, and uh, I don't know how I feel about myself when I've got a little car, really. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's another... Self-esteem issue. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's another bridge to cross, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I would take a slight... I would... Well, I, th- I think there's a separate... Um, a separate... There's several... Se- I mean, there's, there's culture wars which are political, really, and that's about the, the right versus the left or the right versus everybody else, really. That's a slightly separate issue. The, the, the kind of... The aggro between drivers and um, cyclists... I mean, I haven't... I mean, I have certainly been prompted to go back out because the roads have been empty. I don't know how I'll feel when traffic gets back to yeah. you know normal yeah. i may it may be more problematic my and i was used to be a, a great shouter and attacker <laughs> of motor you know yeah and that, that'd be like it was ridiculous you know when i was on a bike i'd be like shouting at drivers and you know jumping out of the car and, you know kicking them and then when i was in the car of course i'd be screaming at cyclists and uh, never realizing the kind of you know the internal the, contradiction, the dissonance, yeah, <laughs> that went on. So um, there's there's uh, I don't know. He seems to have disappeared really. But there's a there's a really good uh, podcast called Ogmios Zen uh, Zen Taxi Driver, oh, which yeah. is this guy driving around. There's only three of them, I think. But driving, and he is obviously a Buddhist, really. He's a um, 
And he talks about driving in a Zen way, really, about um, about displaying kindness and consideration as a driver, really, and letting people out. And that is that's. I mean, I made a, a film series of films for BBC two a few years ago about drive, which was about sort of about that, but. I, 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 but more for me, and I think the same's kind of true of being a cyclist. Really, that that you have to ride in a kind of zen. You you have to you get, you know, you, you can't control what drivers are doing. Really, so you have to ride in a considerate and courteous way. I think really for your own self protection. For your, for your own self protection, yeah. yeah. And also, I think just for the. The vibe you can't, you know, you. There's nothing you can do about other people. I think really, it's no point in yeah. shouting and screaming, but just ride in a careful way, and that will protect you to a degree. And I know maybe other people will say, "Well, this." Yeah, I mean, I, I say I've been hit by a taxi driver just turned casually across oh, the old left hand turn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Class, classic, classic left hand yeah. turn, and he was horrible about it yeah. as well. He was really unpleasant. You know? Yeah. If he just said sorry, I would have like, yeah, you know, whatever. But I mean, I was knocked off and right, you know. Um, but I, th- I think it's kind of you will. I personally think, as a cyclist, that you will be happier if you ride without aggression, really, and just just hope that. Um, you know, other drivers are. But mind you, I was I was in the car yesterday, and there's like a you know a right turn only, and a van came up with like two little, um, came up, two little, England flags on the back. You know, bit, bit, you know, mid, you know, transit on an O3 plate. And I thought he's gonna, you know, he's gonna, he's not gonna go, he's not gonna take the right turn. He's gonna go straight ahead. And he did, you know, put his foot down, got ahead of the, you know, jumped the queue. Yeah. Cloud of yeah. black diesel. Yeah. Yeah, you can, I suppose in a way you, 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 you develop that, if you ride a bike in it, you also develop that intuitive understanding. Yeah. That you're going to see, you see this. Unconscious, transit, unconscious transit, signals yeah, that you're picking up. Yeah, a transit mm. on an O3 plate <laughs> with two, with with you know England flags on the back, yeah. you're thinking this guy is you know steer clear with this guy. Now you could say I shouldn't have to, you know, you know he should obey the law. He should, be, but he's not going to. Yeah. So just learn, you know, just accept that. But I think you do that intuitively, intuitively as a cyclist, and you need to work on that more as well. That that unconscious reading of the road, I yeah. think, is also, yeah, um, you know, yeah. And the most disarming and effective tool you've got sometimes is eye contact, isn't it? It's yeah. bizarre yeah. how yeah I do that, that works. Yeah. yeah, I look, and that's one of the things you see cyclists often, and they don't look behind them. They don't really look ahead of them either. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And just you know, look at yeah, look at drivers, look them yeah. in the eye, look behind you, indicate very clearly. Yeah. And that'll save a lot. Of yeah. Trouble, I think, yeah. You know. Yeah. So a, a little bit of petrol seems to be have been poured on this whole issue because of the opposition to what they call low traffic neighbourhoods, LTNs, yeah. recently. Yeah. Now, you've got a view on them, haven't you? I have got a... I've sort of got a view, although, in a way, I, on this, I, I'm just a... You know, I'm... As the voice of the people, I... Uh, I'm just... A, I, I think that... Um, 
you know, I, 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 I'm just, I don't, I have no fixed opinion myself, but I, I take on board the opinions of other people. And I know a lot of very environmentally aware people who live in, <laughs> live in Islington, um, you know, uh, or Crouch End. And, um, Day off. <laughs> I'm reminded of a joke you made in the 80s that has stuck with me all my life. And I th- I'm pretty sure it was st- what's going on, Stoke Newington. Yeah. They knit your own, knit your own your yogurt. Own yogurt and all that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah. yogurt knickers. Yo- yogurt, Yo- knicker, yogurt knitters. knitters. No, they're, well, they're kind of, you know, those, those, you know, those, <laughs> those clear delineations of okay. personality type don't exist anymore, I think. But uh, they're people who, you know, you would normally, th- you know, are very much on the right side of over the environmental debate, really, who are furious about low-traffic neighbourhoods because they say that they, in fact, cause more pollution. You know, there's, a, there's an article every week in The Guardian saying how <clears throat> low-traffic neighbourhoods are a fantastic idea. Nobody opposes them, apart from the odd fascist. And that, you know, if the, you know that, that, that raises your hackles for a start, really. Mm. Um, you know, because mm. it's not the case that they are, they are forcing everybody all traffic onto the major roads. Uh, yeah, it is a joy to cycle when the roads have been blocked off. It is a you know joy to cycle through these empty streets. On the other hand, you know there are a lot of stories which I think are true, even though the Guardian denies it, of disabled people who can't get ambulances, taxis, blah blah blah. So it's I'm not taking a position on that debate, but there is a debate to be had. It's not in any way a settled fact that low traffic neighbourhoods are a universally good thing, in my opinion, and you know, from the opinion of people I talk to, you know. But placed in the right places, not all of them have gone into the right places. I no, suspect. No, it's, so it's 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 entirely on. It's entirely unjoined up. Yeah. And it's you know it's been done for political expediency, and it's been done in a very piecemeal way, which is you know. So yeah, I think there is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe the idea is which, you know, somebody. One of the guys in Condor was saying, you know, it's the idea that they found that people will, if you have a congestion charge, then people will pay it, you know. Yeah. So all you have, what you have to do is, is make driving so unpleasant. Well, I remember that people will stop, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the plan, and fine. But the, you know, in this period, it's just horrible for everybody. I think. Yeah, I remember Ken Livingston telling. I interviewed him for a book I wrote about ten years ago, actually, when he was trying unsuccessfully to beat Johnson to the London mayoral elections. And I remember him saying that his one biggest regret, or one of his biggest regrets, um, was that he pl- he priced the congestion charge at a tenner rather than 50 quid. Yeah. You know. But people well, would have paid it anyway. But people would have got to go 100 or whatever, you know. But it is, it's yeah. an interesting one, isn't it? The, yeah. The, um, the notion that actually sometimes you have to f- impose top-down really things that things that appear un, unreasonable and eventually become accepted. Um, there is a, yeah, there is so a, yeah, and that may be the it's case. It's anti-democratic. It is, yeah, is it's authoritarian. It's authoritarian. Yeah, and, I, and as a, as a socialist, as a, you know, I, um, instinctively I, you feel, I you feel otherwise. Yeah. at that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I think that there's definitely, I don't have a fixed position on, on on that debate but there is there is definitely it's not all one way no. you know no well that's, that's uh, emollient isn't it is it it's just <laughs> dis- disappointingly reasonable disappointingly reasonable yeah sorry about that 
Don't worry, our podcast, our podcast is disappointingly reasonable. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, thing to be. actually, we had, we had, um, uh, we did a whole episode uh, with uh, campaigners who uh, represent the rights of disabled people, who expressed exactly what you just yeah, said and, yeah. and, and made some excellent points that we yeah. completely taken on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not. Uh, it's 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 certainly. I think the way it's been done in London, it's, it's half assed and uh, it's not it's not what the guardian says uh, unsurprisingly it's uh, it's a mess really i think okay um uh well off the back of this i can let laura laker who works for the guardian um def- def- defend defend her position but she's not here to defend herself so no, so that's so, probably yeah. it's probably a good thing it means we can move on to just the final subject i wanted to touch on which blew me away when i came up here with our coffees and that you actually watch the racing as well. That's Absolutely. been a part of your life. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Yeah, yeah Who well, knew? no, well, no, you know. So. Well, yeah, it's, it's just great, isn't it? That I, get, I, get, I get unfeasibly excited when people like yourselves out themselves as, as closet Tour de France fans. Because <laughs> honestly, there's not many of you. No. So, <laughs> but then that's, yeah. Then that's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, I, ever since... Um, well, it's funny, really, because... Um, I don't know anything. Channel Four. I remember they. There was a brief period when they did really interesting sport. And they did sumo and kabaddi. What is kabaddi? I don't know what it that is. That, it was. I think it's in Pakistan. It's that game that's played on dirt with. Uh, it's it's nuts. But that used to be a staple that. of their output. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But their their coverage at sumo was like for one season. It was done by this guy. It was obviously a Japano Nissanophile. Knew yeah. all about it and. Um, it was brilliant. It told, it told you so much about Japanese culture. And then they did the second season, and I think they got Brian Blessed doing the commentary. <laughs> it was like, whoa, look, this is a fat man hitting another fat man. It was like, oh, mate. You know, it's like, you, this is disappointing. But at the, at the same time, they uh, they started doing uh, cycling, didn't they? They did yeah. the sort of France. You said 86. I think it was 86, yeah. yeah. And immediately I was entranced by... Um, the whole spectacle of it. I mean, you know, is that Steve, the contrarian in you a little bit as well? Or, probably, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looking for something, yeah. something to bore people yeah. with, um, <laughs> and to be different. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, when was Stephen Roach coming through the fog? On yeah. The, is it the Glibly, Glibier or the, one of them out yeah, on the cold, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's Roach. I mean, wow. It's Stephen Roach. <laughs> I mean, it's going to make me cry yeah. genuinely. Yeah. It's going to that makes me cry. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and all those great moments. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Wiggins and then, uh, I mean, Cavendish. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you presume, do you know Cavendish? Yeah. I mean, he seems, you know. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what a sportsman. I mean, what an amazing. And having a bit of a revival now, I think. I see He's won yeah. four stages from the, yeah. in the Tour of Turkey after two years without winning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, what a. Yeah. What an epitome of a. Of a Grotesquely underappreciated yeah. in this country as yeah. well, I think. Yeah. You know, for, yeah. For what he's achieved. Yeah. I mean, yeah. magnificent. And also from the Isle of Man, which is. Sail is a Manx name, so I'm half Manx. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of speak Scouse on the island. Yeah, don't they? It's weird. weird. It yeah. is weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of, of Cavendish. I think he's, you know, what, you know, what he, I mean, obviously all sprinters, but, you know, what, you know, to watch him was, at his peak was, 
so thrilling, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I've so I've been a fan for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, working in Hollywood in the nineties and trying to, they used to show it on ESPN and you know in the middle of the night and stuff and, you know, it was a, it was a kind of connection with Europe as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And what's next for the um, for the bike lockdown bike ride? You got any planned? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, now that things are opening up, I think we'll probably start going out of London, really, because it's always, oh, yeah. What? Yeah, why not? Countryside? No, not, oh, God, not the bleeding countryside. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, you just get the train to, like, Liverpool, just go to Liverpool good, for the day it? and just, yeah, cycle around, come back, you know. So, because I think they're a bit London-centric. So, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we could do it in a week or two. We could go to... We might go start off by going to Hastings or somewhere like that, and then uh, so we do that. But you know, then we do Liverpool, and then just maybe towns I've never. I was in um, my next, my next uh, big. Um, uh, well, I've got two things coming up. One of which I can't really talk about, but the, the other thing is I'm guest lead on uh, three episodes of BBC One's Casualty. Are you? Yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah. It's it's gonna be nuts. That's been filmed. It's been shot. I When's was in. It come, when, when, uh, when well, I'm episode. I start. I, I appear in. I, I appear at the end of episode twenty, <laughs> and then I. Uh, my big storyline is episode twenty three and twenty four. I think so. But wait, every episode of Casualty starts with a, a motor accident, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you. No, I'm not. I'm not run over by a taxi. I'm not to do with no. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I'm the homophobic Russian father of a... I better not say too no, much. No, you, you shouldn't say that. No, I shouldn't, shouldn't give anything. No, no. Yeah, well, that's, great. that's great, yeah. Yeah, so I'm doing... Yeah. But I was up in Cardiff filming that, and I, I thought maybe we'd we'd do some films in Cardiff, but it actually wasn't practical at the time, really, because of, cause of lockdown. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so I might just, you know, go to a city I don't know and cycle around there and stuff. See so what happens. Yeah, so, yeah, just, you know... Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, that that would be interesting, and then more rides. in I haven't. I mean, I've been. You know, we're just going south of the river, but um, we do more. Just do more districts of London as well. You're a very North London it's kind been, of guy, aren't it's you? It's been yeah. North London essential. One of your one of your episodes, you kind of trumpet the fact that you're going south of the river, and I'm yeah. thinking, oh, oh, maybe you'll pop down to Lewisham, where I live, and actually, all you do. You go along past the ITV studios yeah. and, the and then, then come back and then north soon, again. That's yeah, enough of that. About a hundred yards in yeah. South London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's too. a story of Benny Green, the jazz musician, you know, who spent his whole life in Soho. He went for a walk one day with a friend and he got to Marble Arch and he said to his friend, Well, this is very nice, but let's go back to London. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I do. But in the next one, I do. I, I, I'm overcome with guilt, and in fact, I go back over. <laughs> and the next one, I, I realise that I've spent. Overcome with I go, guilt. But yeah, I'm overcome with guilt. I go over Lambeth Bridge, and then come back over Blackfriars. I think so. Yeah. I, I do go back south, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's 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 a disgrace, really. I need to go. Uh, I need to spend more time south of the river. Uh, you so. need to do a little one down, down Greenwich. You need to get yourself on Quiet Way One all the way to Greenwich. Okay, yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be that'd good. be an adventure. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, where's that run? It was Quiet Way One. What I've just come on it. It goes through, right. snakes through kind of Rotherhithe and uh, Bermondsey, you know, past the Millwall Stadium. Oh, and okay. Yeah. And it's all separated from yeah. traffic. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Oh, well, really yeah, nice. okay. I'll do that then. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. All right, Quiet Way One. Quiet Way One. That'll be the next. All right. Thanks, Alexi. Thank you, Ned. So that was um, a really pleasant couple of hours spent with Alexi Sale. And it was, do you know what? We chatted about this, that and the other for about an hour and a half before I had to say, should we do the interview now? <laughs> They're <laughs> the best ones. Because it, um, it was great. What a lovely guy. Yeah, it uh, seems what, really nice. Isn't it great, Laura, when you just discover that these people, yeah, yeah, it shows how little we know of each other really, isn't it? You think you know someone from a distance. But it's great when you discover that someone has had a lifelong kind of affinity mm. with the bike yeah. in their own specially curated way and it's just a bit of their life and I was just overjoyed to discover that yeah it's really it was really really sweet wasn't it and um, not just everyday cycling but also racing as well so you got to talk about that a little bit yeah well that really blew me away I thought he was just someone who rode a bike and then I sort of met him and straight away it became apparent that he rather surprisingly to me knew exactly who I was and yeah. what I do and uh, the reason for that is he is an obsessive watcher of the Tour de France and has followed it for decades which is um, is not something that everybody does you know <laughs> and other obscure sports on Channel 4 as yeah, well yeah, <laughs> exactly. all these kind of it's funny how people fall into um, uh, watching the Tour de France and often it comes from probably yeah. the, the Channel 4 coverage which really started to take it yeah. seriously yeah uh, so it's yeah. amazing i thought it was I, I you know i thought he was I, I loved his videos and they've been they're quite mesmerizing to watch i think he talked about that the the kind of pace that mm. cycling goes at that you can kind of see what's around you and 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 be able to talk at that pace as well um i i, I thought that was really really interesting and I, I like the fact that he's come at it from a totally different angle and he's not you know, he's not what you'd expect. Uh, I think that the, the people who are interested in cycling, both from a sporting point of view, but also just getting around on the bike for most of their lives. And yet we had, it's quite famous, had no idea, as you say, no, absolutely no idea. So it's really nice to get a different, you know, different perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like the um, the last one. I think the most recent one he did, because he, he, he was talking about how he, he felt guilty about uh, always staying in North London. He kind of dipped oh, below the river brilliant. once and then uh, sort of dashed back across a different bridge. <laughs> but this time he started in Waterloo and it was it was lovely. He sort of goes through how he managed to bump into the owner of Gale's Bakery outside one, a Gale's Bakery where he was having a meeting and he told the guy that his uh, his prices were too high. Um, and then and then he sort of goes on <laughs> to have an imagine to sort of have an imaginary friendship with Matt Damon and what that would be like and how he wasn't going to be like one of these people that's just a sycophantic he just wants like a like a, a major hollywood actor as a friend um but he was he would tell it to matt damon straight that that fourth born film was a mistake yeah. <laughs> jamie vine was um was out out cycling on his uh penny farthing which he does for fun um and he saw matt damon out out and about no. in london yeah does he live in london yeah i think so what I might have to edit this out if it's not Matt Damon or someone else. I don't have any popular culture whatsoever in me. Um, Isn't Matt Damon who got stranded in on film location in Ireland or something during the first lockdown? Maybe. Is it? Yeah, and then the the I, can't, I think it was Matt Damon and the the village where he was um, stranded basically couldn't couldn't leave. Kind of like threw a protective ring around him and made sure that no one pestered him and kind oh, of. Amazing. Know, I think it was Matt Damon. It's very sweet. Like 
Anyway, wow. the thing I like, and you've touched on it about Alexi Sales' contribution, and people like Alexi, is that um, they are, they don't, you know, they are not kind of, uh, they're not one of us in the sense that they're not kind of like active travel advocates. You mm. know, he's just doing his thing. That's all. And he's just put it up there. He's not making big points or, or rather he's making little points rather effectively. Um, but actually it's people like that who are uh, on a kind of micro level going to affect the change that we all want, isn't it? It's not people like us lecturing and banging people over the head with the message, which we all want to do sometimes. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's got to be a more organic thing. And, you know, I wonder how many people Alexi throughout his life has kind of nudged in that direction mm. unconsciously, you know, and hopefully he's nudged a few more by doing this. You know? Yeah, and he knew, he, you know, he had a surprising amount of... Um, bikes. Yeah, bikes. But also, <laughs> I was going to say, like, detail and knowledge about, you know, he, he knew about Chris Borman's stance on yep. helmets. You know, he'd talked about... Um, Talk about the low traffic neighbourhoods. Talking oh, about well, cyclists. Yeah, we need like to that. address that, don't we? With we our, do. with our freelance <laughs> Guardian journalist here, because oh, he did name check the Guardian a few times um, <laughs> and the stance on uh, LTNs. And, and uh, Laura, does he have a point? I mean, without getting bogged down in the are they effective? Are they doing? Are they fit for purpose? Are they doing the job that we want them to do? Because that's a slightly separate debate. I think his big beef was with the the democracy of them. Are mm. they fair? Has the cult- consultation been? enough has they have they been imposed Mm. yeah i think there's um there's definitely been there's definitely he definitely makes a good point there's been a sort of issue with the lack of consultation especially in the last year when a lot of these measures have been introduced quite quickly without that much consultation because they're an emergency response to the pandemic and as a result people have felt aggrieved and people who are living on main roads feel like maybe they've been left out um, it's a tricky one because the previously we'd had this situation where we would consult on things and stuff would get watered down and watered down and then um, nothing would really change or it would change in such a minor way. You know, you get prior to COVID actually in my area that's now a local, there's now an LTN. Um, we were talking about uh, what we were going to do on the commonplace uh, sites, what the council might do for uh, traffic reduction or, tra- or like tra- traffic control. And we and they were looking at speed bumps and you know crappy measures like that. They're not going to do anything, and it was it was quite disappointing. And it was only, um, yeah, and it was only when COVID happened that that these sort of stronger measures came in. And I think what we learned from New York, for example, was that trying things and just seeing, and if you don't like it and you can take it out, that's that's like one way of getting something to change. And the fact is that the situation at the moment doesn't really work. There's a lot of problems with obviously air pollution, all the stuff that we talk about all the time. And there has to be a happy medium, but I think the previous situation wasn't good in the, in, in the same way that perhaps the current situation that's been, stuff's been rushed through hasn't been good for some people too. Yeah. One of the complications I think is that, who do you consult? Because, you know, if you consult the people whose road might be closed off, you might get a majority in favour. Mm. You probably would get a majority in favour of reducing the traffic on your street. Yeah. But actually, the people who are most likely to be infuriated by that road closure might live miles away. Mm. You don't even know who they are. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they are passing through yeah. the neighbourhood, perhaps. So yeah. who do you consult? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess people who live somewhere. I guess the people who are, have businesses in that area. Um, if you're traveling through the area, then I don't know how much of a say should you get. That's the question. Um, we had, uh, I was, uh, coming back from the supermarket on Saturday and I saw some campaigners for the Brian Rose London mayoral campaign and Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
candidates are available. I saw I they had a little wheelie thing, like a little trolley thing, and I was peering as I went past, and it was uh, they were his flyers, and uh, there was this guy on the phone looking slightly frantic, like he's waiting for someone, but he can't see where they are. And uh, as I went through, um, I heard him say, "Oh, I bloody hate LTNs," because <laughs> apparently the, whoever they were meeting was they were struggling to find them. And I kind of did a U-turn when I heard that because I thought he was filming, and I was going to be like riding through there on my pink e-bike with like twenty-four toilet rolls on the back of my pannier <laughs> be like oh, I love LTNs but then sadly he wasn't filming so I didn't get that moment of fame uh, but yeah <laughs> maybe not Brian Rose because we've literally never seen him in the area before <laughs> yeah I, I mean I I think when it comes to who you consult you know very clearly there's going to be it is a difficult and we were seeing this manifest itself it's a diff, difficult balance of um, meeting everybody's different needs and um, you're saying, Laura, like how how people that are just travelling through, how much of a say do they get? And it's tempting to say not very much, but then you know that's pretty much what like Kensington High Street is all mm. about, and the cycle lane there. You know, it's all very well the residents or residents allegedly saying that they don't want this, or some of them don't want this. But actually, do people have a right to travel from west to east and east to west through London? I'd argue that in a major city then that's like quite a fundamental um uh, fundamental right but when it comes to low traffic neighborhoods which are often you know more localized around um around communities i think there's a couple of things at play here one we know that the the legislation is temporary and that things can be adjusted and amended and stuff is being monitored but there is such a distrust of local authorities probably quite rightly in some instances because they have often had communications issues of keeping people posted and you know people find it hard to to believe that people give it a fair shot but you know I happen to believe knowing the councillors that are involved that when stuff isn't going right they're not afraid to say actually you know we've seen in Lambeth we've seen in Islington they've actually said you know some of the main road traffic has gone up and we need to investigate why that is and we need to explore about those measures so it's about building that trust but I also think and I don't want to be like you know obviously you've got a comedian who's very articulate and and got a good point of view and then you've got you know I'm going to come across as like a policy wonk basically but you know that lived experience you know Alexi philosophically doesn't you know, maybe agree with low traffic neighbourhoods and, and doesn't himself see the value or the benefit. But actually, there's lots of things I picked up listening to him and watching his videos that, for me, explain the benefit really clearly. One is that he said he was a lapsed cyclist, right? He didn't ride his bike for, for several years. And then it was the low traffic volumes that got him out back onto his bike. It was that 1950s levels of traffic that we experienced, we saw that people would cycle if we gave them the environment to do it, which, you know, the clues in the name with low traffic neighborhoods, that's what we're trying to achieve. And then also in his videos, you know, he, the video I watched, he was on Leather Lane, which is a timed closure after half 10. It's got a, it's got a little filter at the end to stop people cutting through from Hatton Garden, High Holborn. And then down on the cut, which is near where we are now, it's a new filter um that stops rat running traffic uh, i walked past there they're really calm and really nice um and then going through like there's, there's a little filter from the strand and common garden as you go towards waterloo all these things are effectively the tactics of low traffic neighborhoods that have not become culture wars and things like that because they've been there for in the case of leather lane and um and common garden been there for you know for a long time 
Um, so I, I, I kind of, in you know, I understand the philosophical view of like feeling like they're being imposed, etc. But actually, I think Alexi is quite a good demonstration of why they are effective. And it, he, he said that, you know, maybe the plan is to make driving, you know, miserable so people don't do it. And I, I, I'd say that that is <laughs> that is the tactic. You know, you, you've got to make driving less appealing for short journeys. Uh, and this is one of the measures that one of the few measures that councils have that in their repertoire that allow them to do that. Yeah, I, I remember um, just uh, the cross London thing. Um, just quickly, I remember um, getting a taxi f- to Osterley from my current my then house in uh, Hackney. Uh, for an appearance on Sky News it was like first thing in the morning crack of dawn and we basically drove across the whole of London on residential streets because the driver had one of these kind of Waze apps and I remember at one point we got stuck behind a bin lorry and the guy was really annoyed and I was like well this is this is a residential street but yeah it was I just thought it was fascinating we basically made it across the whole of London just on on back roads which probably shouldn't be a thing. Mm. The clue with main roads is in the name right they're main roads they they were designed for that for that yeah. purpose whether or not they deserve the volume of traffic they have now yeah, is different yeah. but they were designed for that, yeah. that purpose largely yeah i think you have to deal with both don't you they yeah the main roads need um these cycle lanes too so well it was um yeah, that was a rare pleasure for me i really enjoyed that opportunity yeah, to, was great. To, to, to speak to alexis i'm very grateful <laughs> to him um he's done seven videos so far yeah they're and, great and as he as he um suggested in the interview he might even leave london but certainly not go to the countryside. You dismiss that out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, Alexi, it's worth noting, also has his own podcast, which is brilliant, by the way, um, the Alexi Sale Podcast, uh, which you can find on all the usual podcast platforms. Uh, that's it from this special celebrity-endorsed uh, episode. You've been listening to Streets Ahead. Let us know what you think at Pod Streets Ahead. Um, uh, rate us and review us. And do share the podcast with anyone you might think might enjoy it. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.